Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 71 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by the co-host, the panel speaker, the main man, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. Same as always. So we're going to get straight down to it. Part one, of course, the review part. We're going to start with a card that took place on the 18th of this month. Um, Obviously, that's last Saturday. One card, or one fight on the card to mention. I want to start over in York Hall, the home of British boxing. Bethnal Green. Uh, George Jupp, he was in a six-round fight against his opponent. His opponent was a journeyman, but he got out there just just one fight before that um, rematch with... With Mitchell Smith, he collected a win over six rounds on points. So George Jupp now 15 wins and three losses. I wanted to start with that one. Uh, now moving over to the Chase Center in Wilmington, Delaware, USA. Top of the bill. Roy Jones Jr., the legend, but also the man who's kind of burning away his legacy. He was fighting for the vacant WBF World Cruiserweight title against Bobby Gunn. Bobby Gunn, a man that hasn't had a professional boxing match for a few years, but um, whenever he's fought someone with, you know, or someone of note, I should say, he's come up short. Uh, Roy Jones Jr. managed to roll the years back. Well, I'm not sure if you could if you could call it that, but um, a good win for him. He got a TKO victory in round eight over Bobby Gunn, so that was Roy Jones Jr.'s 65th professional win. As a pro, uh, of course, he's got nine losses and Bobby Gunn 21 and 7 with one draw. All credit to Bobby Gunn, though, he got in there and fought with his heart, I think, for most of that fight. Um, you know, he's definitely got a lot of heart. And the stoppage was, I'm not sure, it was a strange one. It was basically they couldn't get the, the blood to stop flowing out of Bobby Gunn's nose, so the, the fight had to get stopped. It was It was a bit weird. But, um, yeah, nonetheless, a good win there for Roy Jones Jr., I suppose. Uh, also, one fight to mention over in the Lagoon Leisure Centre in Paisley, Scotland. Gary Cornish picked up his 24th career win in 25 fights with a six-round points win over his opponent. He had a last-minute replacement opponent. He was actually going to be fighting a guy who could bang a bit, but a last-minute replacement came in, and the man's record was two wins, eight losses, and two draws. So Gary Cornish made light work of him. Uh, that's it for that one. We're now going to go over to a fight that took place. Well, the main card, to be honest, the main card of last weekend. I'm going to start with the the undercard, I think. We're going to start with the undercard. This one was at the Cintus Center. In Cincinnati, Ohio, USA. I'm going to start with David Avanesian putting his WBA World Welterweight title on the line. Uh, David Avanesian, 22 wins, one loss, and one draw going into this fight against Lamont Peterson, former 140 King. 34 wins, three losses, and one draw. I think it's fair to say here that the size difference played a big part. I think Lamont Peterson looked absolutely massive. 
Um, I'm not sure. I didn't really fall in love with his shorts. They were very, very short. He looked like he was fighting in a pair of Speedos, almost. But uh, David Avanesian, you know, he didn't disgrace himself. He went out there, fought a true a true champion, you know, he got a great win over Shane Mosley last year, a fantastic win over him, Lamont Peterson, I don't know if it was a step too far, because I think he actually did really well, it was very, very close on the scorecards as well, but um, he did really well to go over to America and put in a performance like that against someone of the capabilities of Lamont Peterson, I'm very, very pleased for David Avanessian, and I definitely think he can come back, I really, really do. Uh, the one loss on his record was a while back now. And this is one of those fights where it's not like he got outclassed or beaten up in any part of the fight. I think that he can go back to the drawing board, regroup and come back. Because I believe he's, uh, he's very, very, very uh, underrated. A lot of people overlook. A lot of people sleep on David Evanesian. He's very sneaky. I tell you what, he can land that overhand right. He's very tricky, and he, he throws shots at great angles. I honestly, I really believe in him. I truly do. Some people, that you know, they're not in love with him. He really is my cup of tea, I've got to say so. Uh, we had him on the show, and uh, to be honest, that's why I love him so much. He's a good guy. Uh, Lamont Peterson now 35 wins and 3 losses with the one draw. He's the new WBA World Welterweight Champion. Of course, that's the regular belt. The main uh, super champion is Keith one-time Furman, who's in action in just a matter of days, really. Um, also on the undercard as well, Marcus Brown, 18-0, former Olympian, of course, perfect record as a pro. He took on Thomas Williams Jr., who's a friend of the show. Uh, Thomas Williams Jr., 20 wins and two losses. We know that he could bang. And to be honest, it really seemed like he was relying on that power. From the first bell, it wasn't like, you know, he, he didn't want to win a boxing, a boxing match. He wanted to knock the guy out. Um, I don't blame him for trying to do that. We know that Marcus Brown's a superior boxer. He's got the superior skills out of the two, I suppose. He's very silky. He's very clever in the ring as well. Ring IQ, very high. Um, Marcus Brown, again, he's got a great, great jab. And he was really making uh, Williams eat the jab quite a lot. Uh, Williams kept walking on to punches. He didn't have a very smart game. He was just coming forward, trying to land the big left hand, and it just did not work for him. We do have to say, Williams was down in the second round, the fourth round, and the sixth round, which that was the round that the fight got called a halt, of course. It, to be honest, I don't think he wanted any more of it. Um, I'm not saying he quit. I just don't think he wanted any more of that, and I don't blame him, really. Um, I think he may have had a problem with his jaw. I'm not sure if, if that's actually official, but he seemed to... Something just wasn't quite right with Thomas Williams. Um, you know, but he does always come to fight. And I will say, Brown was deducted one point in round two for hitting Thomas Williams Jr. while he was down. He seemed to sort of walk onto a punch, and he went down... Like he sort of crouched down, but his gloves did touch the canvas, and then he took a knee, and then Marcus Brown threw a shot. And on, you know, watching the replay, I'm not sure how much of it landed, but it certainly, you know, it wasn't like a knockout punch. It wasn't like he hit him absolutely flush. It was just, it was like a flash kind of hit, you know, a flash punch. It, it wasn't one to, to you know, to, to knock you down with. But seeing as he was already down, you cannot do that. A point was deducted. And I honestly feel, if Thomas Williams would have stayed down, I think that Marcus Brown probably would have been disqualified. Um, however, he got up. Thomas Williams, he's a true fighting man. He got up, 
and from that moment there as soon as he gets up that's it whatever happens from this point forward you know you can't look back and go oh I'm unlucky I'm unlucky yes he was unlucky that his opponent was not disqualified because whether the punch was a big punch or not you don't hit someone when they're down of course not you know that's part of the rules but um, he agreed to continue in the fight he took a big break as well he had about three minutes break Thomas Williams after he got up and um, you know he made the most of that and I don't blame him for doing that but as I say the fight went on and he got stopped in round six so a good win there for Marcus Brown Marcus Brown now 19 and 0 Thomas Williams Jr. 20 and 3 but believe me the man's got heart and he will be back now the main event Adrian the Problem Broner 32 and 2 fighting against a former sparring partner of his Adrian Grenados now Grenados had a record of 18 and 4 with two draws hadn't really mixed it amongst top elite fighters if you like you know he fought some good guys but he's came up short but also a lot of people were overlooking him because the fights where he's come up short it's been very very close um and i've got to say adrian broner won a split decision it was a very 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 tight fight really really tight for me i didn't actually score it it was a 10 rounder as well by the way i didn't actually score it but i think i think a draw was fair or if not, I can see maybe one round or something to Granados. It didn't feel like Adrian Broner won that fight. He came out as well. You know, he's been saying that he's a changed man and all this stuff. And not, not we're not too sure whether to buy into that or not. We know um, Adrian Broner's past and it's, it's a little bit hard to forget it. But Adrian Broner came walking to the ring with a rapper, uh, you know, ring, singing singing some some rap song I can't remember the rapper's name he's a famous rapper now and uh, Adrian Broner was also wearing a balaclava and you know he's dancing and it just it's you know it's not role model material it's not so um yeah I'm not sure how changed he is um apparently that there was a big after party and he was buying everybody drinks that's nice but I'm not sure how much of a you know a role model he is however he did actually do himself quite proud in the uh in the post fight interview he came across a little bit better than usual, but you just you just don't know how much of it is genuine. But yeah, in my heart of hearts, I think a draw would have been the right decision here. I went online and saw loads and loads and loads of people going absolutely crazy, saying it was a robbery. I'm not sure it was a robbery, but a lot of people really feel Adrian Granados got the job done, and you know he was he was deserving to to have won that fight. Hopefully we see a rematch, you know, hopefully at least we see Granados in another big fight because he certainly, certainly earned it. And Adrian Broner with the strange, um, you know, the strange weight, where is he going to end up? Is he going to be 147? Is he going to be 140? Is he going to be 154? You just never know what's going to happen. But I think the the more weight he puts on, the less, um, you know, it takes a big bite out of his skills because he, he was showing some flashes of of greatness he really was in that fight but not enough and he just he seems to be pretty lazy now he's put on a bit of weight but um i gotta be completely honest that is all we've got for you for the reviewing we've uh, we've tried to whiz for it but there were some real 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 good fights on last week especially that bill in cincinnati ohio so just before we end part one there's one last thing to do if you've listened before you know what it is it's the same every week we're going to welcome guest number one Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated featherweight contender, Mr. Isaac Lowe. Isaac, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. How is everyone? 
Yeah, man, we're all good. We're all good. Thank you, Isaac. Now, Isaac, we last spoke in the build-up to your fight on the Quig Frampton undercard against Marco McCulloch. Obviously, you did really well in that fight. You stopped him in round eight. Since then, you've had one more fight. I know that it was a bit of a frustrating year for you last year. Could you just go into a little bit of detail for our listeners about that? Yeah, it was a... 2016 was a very, very frustrating year for Isaac Lowe. Started off so good, obviously, winning the Commonwealth in February, and I was thinking an open then, obviously, some big fights to follow, and obviously winning the uh, the Commonwealth in the beginning of the year was open. I was open for some big fights coming the back end of the year, but then I got tall, and I was I was on in March on the collar bill, but which, unfortunately, something happened. I never got put on that. I was start training camp for that. And then obviously I got told I was on Tyson, uh, Tyson and Clickshaw Bill in Manchester. Well, we all know what happened there. That fell through. So I had a back in a two training camps for that. And then I got told I was on in September, so I had no rest. I had about a week out of the gym after the Tyson fight fell through. And then I got straight back in. And then I was meant to fight Munyai from he was my manager from the Commonwealth in, uh, on the Collar Bill. And all comes to all the week of the fight he couldn't get a visa or something and I end up with a six round fight so yeah last year was very very frustrating for me being away from home not working and generally I was in camp after camp I must have 30 weeks of camp non-stop so and then end up with a six round fight so it was very frustrating but listen it's all part of the learning of the game it's boxing I've took it on the chin and uh, I've moved on to 2017 with uh, big ambitions I've got a great opportunity with the European title fight coming up uh, I'm going to win that. Let's see what the year follows. I want to be busy this year. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that six-rounder that you did end up having, obviously that was against a guy that fought the uh, your upcoming opponent. You both That's a common opponent for you both. You both um, took him the distance. You six rounds, and I believe uh, your opponent, I think, took him eight, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, let's talk about that European fight. In just over three weeks, you step in the ring against the also undefeated EBU European champion, Dennis Seelan. This is his first defence of the title. Isaac, what do you know about him? Uh, I, know he's a good, I know Dennis is a good boxer. He's a former Olympian. Um, he's never really fought no one yet, except Ryan Welsh was his toughest opponent at all his fights before Ryan has been built up. So he done well against Ryan, but to be fair, in my eyes, uh, there was things what I've seen what what I I can pick on what Ryan never did. I mean Ryan gave him a good fight, but there was things in that what I thought Ryan should have done to win with being away from one. We should have put the pressure on early and kept on a more. But listen, it's part of parcel boxing, different when you're in there. But he's definitely there for the taking. But as I said, he's a good tall, uh, he's got a good reach, he's a good boxer, and he's got power. So he's got a bit of everything. I've got to be on my game to beat him and. I'm telling you, I'll be 100% ready for fight night. And you've never fought abroad as a pro. Uh, you'll be travelling out to his backyard in Denmark. Are you excited to be fighting away from home, or are you not so looking forward to it? Uh, no, I'm really excited, to be honest. I've always said, since I've been in that, I started off pro, and every every interview has said, the bigger the stage of what Isaac Law will get put on, the best you'll see of me. And uh, I've been on big stages, I've boxed in front of 20,000s, I've been on the biggest shows with Quick Frampton, I've boxed the lights and crawler shows. I've been on Leeds Arena. I've been all over the, all over Britain, really, boxing in front of tens and 20,000. So I've been in the big build-ups, and now it's my time to shine. It's, it's my time from, it's for myself. So, listen, when comes fight night, once the belt goes, there's only me and him in the ring. It doesn't really make a difference who's there, who's shouting, who's not. So oh, it's one thing that won't fit me, but it'll, it'll make me more, more push me more just to go over there and show them how good I am. 
I'm glad to hear you say that. And I also saw that you did like a head-to-head. Things got a little bit heated. He seemed to uh, get under your skin, it it, it appeared. What actually happened there? It it was in like a dark room and it all just started... Yeah, we we were for a fight and uh, basically I was just telling him... Telling him I wasn't. It was no ifs and buts. I wasn't trying to get into his brain. I wasn't trying to play mind games. I was just telling the straight, telling the truth. I'm coming over here on the 18th. Don't think it's going to be a, a big happy homecoming fight and an easy victory for you. You're going to be with me and have a happy party afterwards and happy Larry. So it's not going to work like that. I said there's 15 other people you've got to pick before me a voluntary. So you've picked the one wrong. And I was just telling him you don't know what you're in for and giving the word of advice and he didn't like it. So when we got face to face, I was telling him and. He pissed me off, so I just gave him a push and show him, let him know I'm not here to play games. I'm not going to take a check and go back over home. I'm going over there to smash his face in, and I intend to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And with a lot of talent at featherweight here domestically, you know, you've got the likes of yourself, as we mentioned, Ryan Walsh, Josh Warrington, Kid Galahad, the list goes on, Quig, Frampton, Selby. Do any of those mentioned there whet your appetite for like an all-British clash, or are you just fully focused on winning the European strap and getting some defences in? Listen, the I've, I've, I've only just turned 23 uh, last month. Yeah. Uh, I'm only 14, 14, 14 fight novices running all the truth. I've achieved so much at the meantime. I think it'll get me cool from that. Obviously, going to win this European. But listen, I've always said I want the biggest fights out there. And that that means me fighting Carl Frampton, Scott Quigg, or Josh Warren, or anyone, any one of them. You name it. Do you know what I mean? Apart from like, Josh Warren, I shouldn't say Josh Warren, really, because he's with Jim, mate. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, he would go mad at me for saying that. No, but... Uh, Apart from all them other British lads, I, 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 if the money's right, I will jump in with anyone. I've always said I'm here to give the fans what they want. Good fights, good entertainment. I'm at one for boring fights. Whoever gets the belts, I'm hunting down. So if it means me having an old, old British fight, I'll have an old British fight. If I have to go to Germany, if I have to go to New Zealand, I'll go wherever I have to go to get them belts. Good stuff. And whenever that we speak to someone who's close to Tyson Fury, we have to ask when the last time that you spoke to him and how's he doing. So I just want to ask you, when was the last time you spoke to him and how's the big man doing, Isaac? Yeah, Tyson's doing good. I was on the phone to him a couple of days ago. He's all doing well. He's having time out with his family at the minute in time. Obviously, he deserves a bit of time out for what he's been through and stress and that. But yeah, he's all good. His mind's getting back in frame and he's getting back back out. Well, he's back out. He's focused. He's happy again. He's enjoying life like like a, 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 a young man like he should do. So, yeah, I think Tyson will be back in the ring in the very near future. But as I said, at the meantime, he's just concentrating with his family and uh, having enjoying life. And that's the most important thing. Um, I've, I want to ask you about a couple of other fights, Isaac. I want to ask you about... Um... Well, I'm going to ask you about, about the heavyweight clash coming up at the end of April. I've got to ask everybody, everybody about this. Um, I'm going to give you my opinion on this fight first, and you can tell me what you think. Anthony Joshua, Vladimir Klitschko. Obviously, Vladimir Klitschko was the man to beat in the heavyweight division. Tyson Fury went and done it. Now, with Tyson Fury's absence, for me, there is no man to beat. So I kind of give that title back to Klitschko. I think that's the fair thing to do. So for me, I think that Klitschko's still the man to beat without Tyson Fury. I think Joshua, for me, in my eyes, is the underdog for me. But, um, yeah, I agree. I totally, like I totally agree. I totally agree with you too. Uh, he, he was the man to beat. and uh, But now this is the... The bullshit what gets on my nerves now. Uh, yeah, you more to say and people say if uh, Anthony Joshua beats their uh, click score, it's the it's the world greatest fight ever. He's gonna he's 
down for the greatest ever and this and that. But I'm not being funny. He's already been beat. Tyson took his reputation from him. So the man to be to be the best is Tyson. Do you know what I mean? And I don't. I just all this bullshit was going around. What saying if he beats him and that he's made history and all-time British great. Well, what happened to Tyson? Like Tyson never beat him. Like no, that must he must have been an invisible man who beat him. So it, that pissed Tish. The man to beat in the heavyweight division is Tyson Fury, and you know that. And anyone that knows boxing is. I have to agree entirely. And also, um, another heavyweight fight coming up. We're, we're waiting for some kind of announcement on it. Huey Fury against Joseph Parker, an interesting one. Obviously, we're not too Very sure which country it's going gonna, it's gonna to be set in. But um, that's a fight that I think Huey can win. I, feel, I think it's very important where the fight happens. Though. What should take on that one? Yeah, yeah uh, it's a very, 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 very big achievement for Huey. Uh, he was only 22 years, just turned 22. Uh, fighting for a while there. Uh, the world title, so it's a very, very big fight. And yes, it's definitely, definitely a fight you we can win. Um, but as you, as you said, I think where the fight happens will be motion crucial. New Zealand is a long, uh, long way away with travel-wise, so they'll have to go over there early. Uh, but I, I think if the fight got made in the UK or wherever it's at, not so saying in the UK, I think you've got a great chance. You've got all the ability to beat it, boxing-wise, strength-wise. Uh, well, a lot of people underestimate Huey's boxing ability and how good he is when he's in there and how he uses his reach and he's powerful. So, I would, I would, I'd say it would be a close fight, but I would, I would edge Huey with it. But I said it all depends where, where, uh, where it's at and where about the stage. Hopefully, we get it in the UK and we get another heavyweight champion. Yeah, absolutely. We, we all hope so on that one and finally Isaac the final question for you now um, you don't have to tell us if you don't want to I just wanted to ask you about your fight coming up have you got any kind of prediction for us how do you think that fight's going to end Isaac Law is going to win don't know how but my hand's going to be raised if it's stoppage knockout points win I don't care I'm coming back to Britain with the UBE, um, European belt I should say and we're moving on for bigger and better things in 2017 hope we get some big names God willing. Okay, listen, Isaac, I want to thank you very much for giving us a piece of your time this week. Uh, Best of luck thank you very, very much for ringing up and uh, for the interview because not many has been in touch up to now, but thanks for thinking about me and giving us a call. It means a lot. Amen. Keeping it's the fans updated. Pleasure, believe me. Best of luck for March 18th, mate, and we'll catch up soon afterwards. Cheers now. Thanks, people. Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But just before we get into that, we're going to talk to the man who's got the hottest boxing news in world boxing. I listen to a lot of other podcasts. So do other people. Everybody listens to other podcasts, but no one has got the news, the exclusive news, quite like Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, bring us in with this week's news. I know that you've got a lot for our listeners. Scott Quigg has left Gallagher's gym and will now train at Freddie Works Wildcard Gym. Yes, this is a shock, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A shock departure, I think is, is the right word. I cannot believe this. Scott Quigg and Joe Gallagher seem like the best of friends, but the good thing here is that they've ended it on mutual terms. They're both going to remain good friends outside of the ring, and um, I think Scott Quigg just needed something new. I saw the press release, he said that, you know, moving up to featherweight, he wants to become a two-weight world champion, and he thinks that the right man to guide him to that is Freddie Roach. Freddie Roach is one of the best trainers in the business. Everybody knows that. And it's going to be really interesting, because I know that 
um, Joe Gallagher had, you know, he used to take Scott Quigg over to that wildcard gym for sparring many, many times. So it's a gym what Scott Quigg has sort of been there sparring, had a good feel of that gym on many occasions, and he likes that environment. He must have liked that environment. The good thing about this is we hear a lot of, you know, a lot of fighters these days changing trainers every other week and they're going with with a trainer that they really don't know that well. They've never been to the gym. You know, they don't really know what they're signing themselves up for. With Scott Quigg, he's been there. He's experienced it. He must like it. And I think that this is going to be an interesting move. I really, really do. Scott Quigg, I think that, you know, he's, he's to be honest, a lot of people hate on Scott Quigg. And I don't really think it's fair. Um, you know, he done, he done, <laughs> he was moved correctly to, to get hold of the title. We all know that. But... In my honest opinion, he's very well-rounded as a fighter. He's technically sound. With the added intensity that I think Freddie Roach gives to his fighters, he makes them very offensive, you know, offensive fighters. He makes them very attacking. He kind of neglects the defense sometimes. He doesn't really teach too much of that. But I tell you what, if Scott Quigg can be a bit more exciting... It's going to make for some great, great fights. And I hope that that is the case. But we wish Joe Gallagher, Scott Quigg and Freddie Roach the best of luck with what they're going to be doing this year. Because it's a brilliant year of boxing. It really, really is. And some great surprises have already came out this year. Ayaz, the next piece of news, please. Yes. Lisa will return to action in a non-title bout on the David A vs Tony Bellew undercard. Yes. It's only um, about 10 or so days from now till the fight. Um, you know, I, I just think that really there wasn't too much... I think the fight has been announced today. There wasn't too much notice to an opponent. They couldn't get anyone in the top 15 of the IBF for it to be a title uh, a title match, obviously, you know, for the belt to be on the line. And, yeah, it's a guy from Spain. He's not got a great record. He hasn't really fought anyone. It's really... You know, even though he's on the the Hay Bell you undercard, it's really it's not because he's in a great fight. It's just because he's a big name. It's a it's a big platform for him to fight on, and you know it's a fight that I'm gonna watch because that's what it is in boxing. You know, a lot of boxing fans they don't just watch only fights where they know both guys. They hear about Lee Selby. They like his style. They like his cheekiness. They like the way he fights, simple as that. And they, they will watch Lee Selby against anyone. And that's the way I feel. So I'll be watching it. I'll be happy. I definitely won't be missing his fight. You know, Lee Selby's a great talent. And we wish him all the best. But, um, yeah, he's not in a thrilling contest. He's going to probably win by stoppage. Um, you know, maybe even within three or four rounds. This guy's never been in with anyone of note at all. And, yeah, it's going to be an easy win. But it's a good name added to the bill is what I'm trying to say. Any more news for us, Ayaz? Former boxer Michael Watson and his carer have been treated in hospital after being sprayed in the face by attempted robbers. Yes. Um, I don't really know the ins and outs of this story, but of course, Michael Watson, you know, he was, uh, he was, yeah, you know, it all went wrong for him in the ring against Chris Eubank Sr. all those years ago. And um, he's never been the same since. Um, that was really, you know, the most, the most sort of biggest injury um yeah, that I can remember really in in that type of era. Like that was the one that really switched on the doctors and the the board and everything in British boxing. Um, we all know that 
yeah, we're not going to go into things about that, to be honest. That was that was a bad night for boxing, especially in Britain. Michael Watson was a great fighter and his career came to an end that night. But obviously he's never recovered since. He's done really well to be in the state that he's in today from from what he was like before. Um, you know, he's, he's able to, to, to sort of walk and talk fantastically. And... Um, yeah, he's got a carer, and and I believe it was some sort of attempted carjacking. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know too much about it, but he was sprayed with some kind of some kind of substance. I'm not too sure what it was. Him and his carer were both injured. You know, I've seen that Michael Watson's put out a tweet just to basically say or to reassure everyone that he's okay. That's great news. That's the most important thing. I don't really know too much about the follow-up. I don't know what happened to the car. I don't know if the guys that did it have been found or arrested or whatever yet. But uh, we hope that they do get found because this was a really, a really disgusting act. You know, a really disgusting act um, because we all know that if Michael Watson, if this was twenty something years ago and Michael Watson was in the shape he was in before any injury, no one would have tried to, um, you know, try to. Uh, some sort of attempted carjacking with his vehicle no chance about it so it's very cowardly and hopefully those guys um, get found whether it's by the uh, the police or or somebody else we 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 hope that they get found and we wish a speedy recovery to Michael Watson but we're happy to know that he's not in too much of a bad state uh, that we initially thought he could be in so that's good stuff and a bit of bad stuff in one piece of news there Ayaz is there anything else for us Frank Bullioni has joined Matchroom Boxing. Yes, he joined them earlier this week. I believe it was Tuesday. I think it was the 21st of February, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe the same day he picked up an injury in sparring. So, um, you know, Frank Bullioni, I believe he was set to fight. I'm not sure when the date was. I think it was sometime in March he was set to fight. I don't think it was the Hay... I don't think it was the Hay Bell you undercard, but he was definitely supposed to be on one bill. But he's picked up some sort of injury, and that was going to be his first fight with Matram. That's now not happening. But, you know, on the brighter side of things, he signed with Eddie Hearn and Matram. So it's a good thing because since Frank Bullioni left Frank Warren, because he was one of their biggest name fighters, I'm, I'm not saying he's one of their best fighters, but I'm saying at the time he had a great fan base. He lost that fight where he got stopped by. Uh, by that guy that who they were calling the Brit Basher, uh, Sergei Kamitsky. He lost that fight. I remember being ringside for that. That was horrible. Uh, he lost that fight by knockout. And ever since then, he kind of went on like a downward spiral. And then he got the uh, the crack against Chudinov. And he did really, really well in that fight, despite from losing it. And, um, you know, he did himself proud. And then after parting ways with Frank Warren, he teamed up with Steve Goodwin. And Steve Goodwin had a bit of a stable. And he's got a bit of a stable. He's actually doing really well at the minute, Steve Goodwin. But he doesn't have any kind of TV contract. And I always felt straight away that Frank Bullioni was a little bit too big for Steve Goodwin. And I, I don't mean that with any disrespect. I mean it because Frank Bullioni was already an established name. And when he signed with Steve Goodwin, it just I just couldn't... Imagine him fighting in small hall shows off of the TV, and that's why he ended up fighting, you know, on, on for example, his last fight against against Jose Burton on a big matchroom show. That's the types of fights that he needs to be involved in. That's what he's built himself on, the big fights, the wars. You know, he's an exciting fighter, 
especially lately, he's really turned into an exciting fighter. And he needs to be on that stage. He's earned to be on that stage. So I'm happy that he's with Matchroom. That's definitely um, you know, a stable that are, that are going to give him opportunities on big stages. That's what he deserves. And I wish him all the best. He's a great guy, and uh, we look forward to speaking to him very, very soon. Hopefully that fight gets rescheduled, and we'll get him back on the show sometime in the near future. Any more news for us, Ayaz? Jamal Charlo has vacated his IBF junior middleweight title and announced he's moving up weight. Yes, Jamal Charlo, obviously, you know, he just he just relinquished his, his 154 light middleweight, super welterweight, whatever you want to call it, IBF title. They were obviously, there's two, just so you don't get confused, you probably know already, but there's two Charlo brothers, the Charlo twins. Um, we've got Jamal and Jamal. Jamal was the champion first. He was the IBF champion. And then recently, just last year, Jamel Charlo picked up the WBC. They were both light middleweight champions of the world at the same time. It was incredible. They're both brilliant, brilliant fighters. They really, really are. Jamal Charlo, who we're talking about here, has relinquished the title. He is seen as the better of the brothers, to be honest. He's, he's seen as the more talented brother. Um... The 154 division, I've talked about it many times on this show, it's very, very stacked with talent. There's a hell of a lot going on there. It's very hard to pick up a title. And we also look up at middleweight and we look at Gennady Golovkin and we kind of say to ourselves, no one is in his level at middleweight. Danny Jacobs is the closest thing to it. Billy Joe Saunders maybe a little bit just behind that. But really, Gennady Golovkin's in a league of his own. Well, now... I've got to be honest, I don't want to jump the gun. He hasn't even moved up to middleweight yet. But I want to say this. Jamal Charlo is so, so good that I really think if he moves up to middleweight and looks, you know, near on as good as he looked at 154, he can really, really test Gennady Golovkin. I truly, truly believe that. I think that he's a brilliant, brilliant fighter. He really, really is. And of course, in his last fight, he absolutely decapitated Julian Williams, who's a real good fighter, Mr. J-Rock Williams. And that was just a brilliant win. So he kind of, that was his kiss goodbye to the 154 division. Well, I will say this as well, Ayaz. I just want to throw this out there for some of the people that haven't maybe thought of this already. Kel Brook, even though he's penciled in to fight Errol Spence, and it's, you know, it's supposed to be happening, remember, he's rated highly with the IBF. Eddie Hearn has got a good relationship with the IBF. He wants him to move up to 154. What title's just gone vacant? Bingo, the IBF. Who knows what's going to happen? Is that fight going to happen now? We will have to wait and see, but I think it definitely makes it interesting. But yeah, we definitely wish Jamal Charlo all the best of luck. He's a great, great fighter. And if he goes up and fights, he might even fight someone like Billy Joe Saunders. He, he can straight away be considered one of the best middleweights without even fighting. I know that's a bit controversial, but he's so, so good. And I think he can really test some of those top guys. So providing he doesn't look... You know, it's providing putting on those 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 six pounds doesn't doesn't curve his he, his game at all. Then I believe he is going to be a force to be reckoned with at one sixty for sure. Is there any more news for us, Ayaz? No, that's it. Okay, thank you very much, Ayaz. Some great great news there. It truly was. And now we're going to move on to the preview part of the show where we preview the fights this week just before they happen. We're going to give you our thoughts and. And our views on some of the fights that are coming up this week. So on Thursday, the 23rd of February, today, tonight, 
Dmitry Bivol over in Russia puts his interim WBA World Light Heavyweight title on the line against Robert Berridge. Robert Berridge having a record of 29 and 5 with one draw. And Dmitry Bivol, the champion, with a record of 8 and 0. He's very, very highly rated, though, believe you me. Also, tomorrow night, the 24th of February, Friday, of course, at the Center Videotron in Quebec City, Quebec, Canada. Elida Alvarez, who has a record of 21 and 0, he's taking on Lucian Butte, who has a record of 32 and 3 with one draw. This is a 12 rounder at light heavyweight. This one, so Lucian Butte moving up to light heavyweight for this. Elida Alvarez, he's a good fighter. He seems to be a promising prospect. Lucian Butte, the old tricky cat. He's been there. He's done it. He's got the t-shirt for sure. Both guys from Quebec. This is a huge fight in Canada, this one. Everybody's talking about it over there. And we know that Butte, the only thing about this fight that gives me a bit of a question mark and stands out to me is the fact that it's up at light heavyweight. If it was at super middleweight, you've got to give Butte a chance. I think that nobody really beats Butte easily. You know, we've seen him in there recently against Badu Jack and James DeGaulle. You know, those fighters, even though they, they well, I was just going to say they both won. They both should have won, that was for sure. James DeGaulle getting a win, of course, and Badu Jack getting a draw. But they did not have that fight, or those fights, all their own way, despite most people believing that they, they won both the fights, James DeGaulle and Badu Jack. They did not have it all their own way, hence the draw coming out. I know that it was a bit controversial, as I say, but... You, you can't give a draw in a fight. There's absolutely no chance of a draw. He didn't even win a single round. He won quite a few of those rounds between those two fighters. So he's not a walk in the park for anybody, even at this part of his career. And the only thing that stands out for me is that it's up at light heavyweight. So it's going to be interesting. But I tell you what, if Belida Alvarez can get a good win here, it makes a big, big statement. Doesn't matter if it's if it's at light heavyweight. Doesn't matter where it is. Nobody beats Lucian Butte easily. And if he can stop him... Boy, oh boy, that's a real statement. That's it for Friday. We're now going to go over to a fight that's happening in the Spectrum. Oslo, over in Norway. Cecilia Brackus, 29-0. She is putting her WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO and IBO world female welterweight titles on the line. That is truly remarkable. She's got every world title, even down to the IBO. She is brilliant, okay? She is fighting Clara Svensson, who has a record of 17-1. and one. As I said, this one's over in Norway. Cecilia Brackus, trained by the same man who trains Vladimir Klitschko, Mr. Jonathan Banks. It's a 10-rounder, of course, with two-minute rounds. So, uh, 10 two-minute rounds. It's at welterweight, as I said. Cecilia Brackus is a great, great fighter. So, she definitely gets a mention on our show, as she always does. All of her fights we mention. So, a lot of love going out to Brackus and JB, of course. And uh, that's it for Norway. We're now going over to a fight that's happening in Lancashire, United Kingdom, at the Middleton Arena. One fight to mention. Zelfa Flash Barrett. He's in his 15th professional contest. It's a six-rounder at Super Featherweight. So all the best to Mr. Barrett. And now, a fight card that's happening in York Hall this week as well. I don't think we've done this in order. I think it's kind of been all over the place. But a few fights to mention on this bill. I'm going to be there ringside. Boy Jones Jr. puts his Southern Area Super Featherweight title on the line against Craig Poxton. Should be a good little mashup this one. Uh, Boy Jones 11-0 with one draw. Craig Poxton 11-4. 
Uh, Champagne Charlie Driscoll gets out in his fourth contest at super lightweight. This one, 140. His record at the minute, a perfect 3-0. He takes on Reese Saunders. Lerone Richards, he gets out again in his sixth professional contest. His opponent hasn't yet been announced. It's a six-rounder as well at light heavyweight. Lerone Richards really in the spotlight at the moment because he leaked a bit of a truth bit of a home truth a bit of a story that maybe sh he shouldn't have leaked he basically come out and said that he got the better of Chris Eubank Jr. in sparring quite badly to the point where Chris Eubank Jr. really wanted him to get back in the ring to spar more and that shows the heart of a warrior it truly does but Lerone Richards got the upper hand over him in sparring and that has made that's been a bit of a talking point and that has made a lot of people excited to see what his career is is going to be like in a couple of months or years time we should say Lerone Richards all the best to him Sanjeev Sahota's on the bill in his sixth contest as well he's taken on uh, well to be completely honest a journeyman with over a hundred losses but it should make for a good scrap he doesn't always fight smart Sanjeev Sahota he's been in a few um, <laughs> a few entertaining fights that shouldn't really have been too entertaining Harley Ben the son of Nigel Ben I'm not so sure he'd be too happy that I'm saying that he's in his debut uh, we were supposed to see this about a month ago but for whatever reason his paperwork wasn't submitted correctly so he didn't end up fighting we only found out a couple of a couple of hours before his fight was supposed to take place so he's in a four rounder at super middleweight here against a guy who has a record of two and two with one draw so not too bad for his first fight Harley Ben he looks very good by the way I've seen a couple of clips of him in the gym his footwork looks pretty good he was only shadow boxing but he looks he, he does look quite he looks quite fluent with it which is very good to see Harley Ben all the best to you and finally on that bill also a clash at super featherweight Archie Sharp, he's actually a fighter that I've got a soft spot for. I do like his style. It's pretty exciting. He's in his seventh contest, but his opponent yet to be announced. So all the boys getting out in York Hall, Bethnal Green this Friday. And um, it's great. I'm going to definitely go down there and show him a bit of love. And um, yeah, these guys are going to be the next big things in the UK boxing scene for sure. Um, one fight to or a couple of fights to mention over in the Pechenga Resort and Casino. In Temacuta, California, USA, Saul Rodriguez is on this bill in his 22nd professional contest. His record at the moment, 20 wins, 0 losses, and 1 draw. He takes on Oscar Bravo over 10 rounds at Super Featherweight. Oscar Bravo, 22-6. and six. Good little fight, that one. Andrew Tabiti's also on the bill as well. This one's up at Cruiserweight. Tabiti with a record of 13-0. and 0. He takes on Qantas Graves, who has a record of 11-0 and 0 with 2 draws so two fights to mention there a couple of fights also to mention over in the national stadium in dublin ireland uh, steve collins jr on this bill looking to get his 10th professional win he's in an eight rounder at cruiseweight against pablo sosa uh, luke keeler also on this bill he takes on lewis taylor over eight rounds at middleweight uh, that's really it for Ireland. Now the big one of this weekend, I think it's fair to say, over in the Ice Arena in Hull, Yorkshire, United Kingdom, top of the bill, Gavin McDonnell fighting for the vacant WBC World Super Bantamweight title. His record at the moment, 16-0 with two draws. He takes on Ray Vargas, relatively unknown banger. 28-0 with a hell of a lot of knockouts. I can't remember how many knockouts now. But, um, you know, both men undefeated. Somebody's always got to go, as I like to say. Gavin McDonnell stepping it up truly to a level that he's never boxed at, you know, at all. 
Uh, Ray Vargas doing pretty much the same. He hasn't really fought anybody of the calibre of Gavin McDonald at the moment. This is an intriguing fight, as I say. Ray Vargas is, is feared. He's the banger. Gavin McDonald, very, very feather-fisted in all honesty. A good boxer, though. Likes to, you know, he's, 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 he's smart when he keeps it long. And it's going to be intriguing. It really is. We wish Gavin McDonald all the best. We definitely do. We're going to leave really most of the talking to Dave Caldwell that we should be speaking to very, very shortly. So we wish him all the best of luck this weekend. We truly, truly do. We're definitely behind him. Uh, also on that bill, Luke Campbell putting his WBC silver lightweight title on the line against Gyro Lopez. Gyro Lopez, 21-6. and six. Um, Luke Campbell, 15-1. and one. You know, it's, it's a decent fight. Really and truly, I want to see Luke Campbell avenge that loss to even Mendy, to be honest. That's the fight that I want to get up for. But uh, Luke Campbell is a good talent, of course, we all know that. Tommy Coyle also on the bill. He takes on Rakeem Noble. This is actually going to be a, a pretty good fight, this one. Tommy Coyle 22 and 4, Rakeem Noble 11 and 1. Tommy Coyle was supposed to take on um, John Wayne Hibber, I remember, just before, or just the other side of Christmas, just, you know, just last year. Um, that fight didn't end up happening, so I know he'll be itching to get back in there. Ryan Burnett's also on the bill in his 16th professional contest. He takes on a man called Josefat Reyes. Also on the bill, Dave, the white rhino, Allen. We was going to get him on, but this opponent is not of any note, really. So um, we'll definitely speak to him when he's got his next fight scheduled. Dave Allen, nine wins, two losses, and one draw. But I tell you what, he's better than his record suggests. He has had... Some seriously tough fights in the last few months. His opponent, Lucas Rusewicz. He should definitely get the job done here, Dave Allen. Definitely look out for some kind of Muhammad Ali shuffling. You know he's definitely exciting. Maybe not boxing-wise. Sometimes he can stink the place out, and he'll be the first one to admit it. But you're definitely going to see some funny antics from him, as always. Saw a picture of him early this week posing in a blazer. Looked very smart in his blazer and, and trousers with a Burger King um, crown. So that was good to see. Uh, that's it for the UK. We're now going over to the final bill. I believe it's the final, but no, we've got two more bills to mention. This one over in the Legacy Arena, Birmingham, Alabama. Top of the bill, Deontay Wilder, 37-0. He takes on Gerald Washington, 18-0 with one draw. This one's for Deontay Wilder's WBC Championship of the World. Deontay Wilder, a man with fearsome punching power. Really, really, really scary, frightening power. Um, Gerald Washington, again, hasn't really fought at that level. Deontay Wilder, he's, he's sort of fought at that level, I suppose. <laughs> Even though it's world title level, he hasn't really fought some, some live opponents. Gerald Washington, obviously undefeated. Again, both guys undefeated. Somebody's always got to go. We had Gerald Washington on the show last week. He seemed very, very confident. I like one of the quotes he said. He said, because, you know, there's been a lot of talk that Deontay Wilder's trying to unify with Joshua in the future. He's not really concentrating on this fight, it doesn't seem. It looks like he's overlooking Gerald Washington. And I said, do you feel overlooked? And he said, if he wants to look past me, he can. I will snatch his ass up with a left hook. That's what I like to hear. Gerald Washington, always a pleasure to speak to. We wish him all the best. I, as to be honest... Most people are going with Gerald Washington to lose this fight. Most people going with Deontay Wilder to win. Um, but in my opinion, he's got a good chance. I really think he does. I think, you know, if he can lean on him, if he can use his size, if he can try and keep him at bay. And I know that Deontay Wilder may even have the same tactic. Deontay Wilder's got a really good jab when he wants to use it. But um, it's definitely a closer fight 
in my opinion, the most people are giving it credit for. That's that's my honest opinion. I as who do you see winning that fight? I'll be completely honest. Deontay Wilder or Gerald Washington? Deontay Wilder knockout. Early. Yes. Simple as that. Okay. Um, you know. Definitely, I really want Gerald Washington to win, man. I really, really want him to win. He's such a nice fella. I really, really want him to win. It's tough to pick, man. It really is tough to pick. Again, it can go two ways, can't it? I think Deontay Wilder, I'd have to side with him. I don't want to say it, but I'd have to side with him. But I really just hope that Gerald Washington can pull it out of the bag because he's one of my favourite people to speak to. He truly is. Also on this bill, uh, Jarrett Hurd, 19-0. He's taking on Tony Harrison, 24-1. This one is a brilliant fight. This is a true, true 50-50 fight. You may know Jarrett Hurd. He's the guy who's got Swift tattooed on his chest. It's a brilliant tattoo, by the way. And, uh, yeah, I'll just throw that out there. But, no, this is a great, great fight. Real 50-50. You know, both men, both men, good 154 fighters. And both men are up there. With with some of the best talent at 154, so it's definitely exciting to see what the future holds for both of these guys. But only one man's going to win, so may the best man win. It's a great, great fight. Also on this bill, a man that really has gone under the radar since losing to Anthony Joshua, Dominic Brazil, 17 and one. He's in a 10 rounder at heavyweight, of course. Against I'm going to try and have a crack at this guy's name, Iswagbi Ugono. I think that's how you say his name. He's from Poland. He's record 17-0. and 0, So both men, 17 wins under their belts. Um, I don't know too much about this guy, if I'm completely honest, the, uh, the the Polish guy. I'm not too sure much. I really haven't seen any of his fights, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm, you know, I know much about him at all. But um, Dominic Brazil, we know we know what he's about. He's a tough, he's a tough guy. Um, he can definitely take a whack if the other guy can bang a bit. I'm not too sure, but uh, we, we we're gonna we're gonna sit with Dominic Brazil here. We want him to win this fight. We definitely want him to win. He had a good personality. We just didn't get to see any fighting skills from him when he took on Anthony Joshua and absolutely turned into a shell. Really, there's some other good fights on the undercard to look out for as well. Some undefeated fighters coming up, but we won't mention them all. That's it for the Legacy Arena. Now the final bill to mention. I believe there's only one fight to mention on this bill as well. This one's at the Celebrity Theatre in Phoenix, Arizona, United States. One fight to mention, as I said, BJ Flores coming off of that loss to Tony Bellew. His record at the moment, 32-3 and with one draw. He's taking on Jeremy Bates, who has a record of 26-18 and with one draw. This one's for the vacant WBA-NABA heavyweight title, so it certainly seems like BJ Flores... He's going to be fighting at heavyweight. It really seems that way. I think it's definitely the wrong weight for him. No way in, in the world do I agree with that. Hey, maybe he's going to maybe he's going to uh, try to try to fight Tony Bellew at heavyweight. Who knows? But we wish BJ Flores all the best of luck, even though he didn't fight very well at all against Tony Bellew. He really, he really didn't, to be honest. He, 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 dis- he disgraced himself a little bit after all the big talk. But he's a colourful character. We like him here on this show. But that's really it for the previewing. That's really it for the reviewing. That's really it for the news. We've done all the babbling, all the talking from myself and I. As there's one last thing to do before we wrap up the show and end part two. And that, of course, is to welcome a man who I gave his name away a little bit earlier. It's as simple as that. We're going to bring in Mr. Dave Caldwell. Hi, mate. Thanks a lot for having me again. 
Hey, it's always a pleasure, my man. So, Dave, first things first. Gavin McDonald takes on Ray Vargas on Saturday night in Hull for the vacant WBC Super Bantamweight World Champion. Uh, world title, I should say. That sounds so good, man, saying that. Now, we had Gavin on a couple of weeks back also. Uh, the first question I've got for you, Dave, is what do we know about Ray Vargas? I watched some of his highlights earlier today. It's clear he's got power in both hands. What else do we know about him, Dave? He's very, very good. Um, you know, he's very, very tall. I mean, I'd, I'd seen reports of him, and when even when you're looking on on his fights, and given the height, the reach, etc., you know, they were saying it was about five ten. I've seen some saying that he's five eight, and I saw one right at the beginning of camp where it actually suggested it was it was just under six foot. Well, I've catered for all that, and I'm so glad I did because. I've seen him today. He's absolutely massive. He's, a, he's definitely a six-footer. Um, so I, I don't know. He had a bit. He had a bit of a bit of an insole on his on his trainers. He had fixed wedges on his trainers, so he maybe had a little bit height on that. But yeah, he, he looks about a six-foot to me. But he's very very fast-handed. More importantly, and he can pop like you say. He can punch with both hands. He he rips his left hook underneath. He loves his straight right hand. Um, he's a good fighter. Very good fighter. But but, and it's a big but, is the fact that he can be hit. And anybody that can be hit isn't invincible. And the fact that he's been hit and he's been dropped, that, again, shows him that he's not invincible. So, you know, we're not talking about a, an unbeatable fighter here. We're talking about a very, very good fighter, a very, very good prospect. But a prospect, nonetheless, that's not been tested yet. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, as we said, you know, he throws a lot of shots. He likes to dig in yeah. with that left hook to the body. Um, obviously, Gavin isn't known as a power puncher. Um, no. it, you know, I believe that Gavin could time him and, and, and counter him when he throws all these shots because he seems to throw him a little bit, um, you know, not too cautiously. He seems to just go a bit wild yeah. in some of in some of what I've seen. Um, as I say, Gavin doesn't hit too hard. Do we, do we see Gavin dropping him at all? Is that possible? Well, this is the thing. Gavin's not really a, a banger banger, but some fighters are actually not big punches to the head, but the body punches take an effect on the opponent. And I put Gavin in that sort of category. Gavin's now, a, a, you know, inspiring and, and how he's progressing in these fights. He's becoming a very good body puncher. And when he focuses on that, then he, he actually does get results. You know, whether it's the sharp, fast punching guys, they tend to just get a little bit more ragged, a little bit more tired, and a, a little bit slower um, through it, through to the shots that he's landing on on the body. Um, he's got to he's got to really not get into a shootout with his kid up top, you know. And when the guy's flying over, trying to throw big bombs at Gavin, he's got to stay composed, stay sharp, and pick his spots to go underneath and and, and take out the steam out of him. But, you know, make him a little bit more ragged and make it down the stretch where he starts struggling a little bit. Because let's, let's be honest, you know, we can all do 12 rounds at our own pace. You know, Vargas, when he's done the 12, has been at his own pace. You know, Gavin's four, you know, he, right from the start, he's only had 18-5. And because he's not had any amateur background, and when you look at Gavin, he doesn't look like he does anything particularly well. He doesn't look like an outstanding fighter. And so everybody that gets in the ring with him believes that he's not that good. You're getting, you know, when you're looking at Vargas and, and, and him on the way up, he's a celebrated prospect, you know, good amateur pedigree, um, blazing a trail as he's, as he's starting off. And then the guys that are getting in with him 
are guys that are going there just to, you know, um, give it a go. And once they realize that he's too good for them, they're happy to try and go the distance and not get hurt. Now, there's a big difference between fighting them corner kind of guys and fighting a guy that's in there that, that's there genuinely to win. Jeff McDonald's in there to win. He's not going in there to give it a go. You know, this is he, he's not stupid. He's not like a, a an Olympian or a, or a celebrated prospect where Eddie's you know going to give you an umpteen chances to keep bringing him back. You know, we're talking about a brother of a of a, a kid that's a champion that's not really one of the one of the most popular fancy sort of uh, media champions that we've got over here. So he sees him further down the pecking order. So Gavin's got to grab this opportunity with both hands. So he's in it to win it. Now, when you get in the ring with Gavin McDonald, although from the outside, he doesn't seem as though he's that good, everybody's getting out saying, it's better than what I thought it was. You know, and we're having good, you know, good fighters that have been sparring with him all said the same thing. He's actually better than what I thought he was. And they're seeing the improvement in him as, you know, you go from one camp into another camp or one spar and then a few weeks later, another spar. They're seeing the improvements in him. And, that's a, that's a key factor, that is, because we've got a fighter here who's improving all the time, under the radar. He's, he's the kind of kid that, that gets forgotten about, but just keeps going about his work. Yeah, that's 100% bang on. Um, so, so really, just in a nutshell, uh, your opinion, obviously knowing both, style, both styles, I know that you would have definitely um, studied Vargas. What does Gavin McDonald have to do to win this fight on Saturday night? Well, I'm not going to... Yeah, I'm not going to keep the talk game plan away and say well, exactly what we're doing. Um, I don't know if team speaking understand that much English. I don't know if they'll be listening. I don't know. <laughs> um, but he doesn't have to throw just for the sake of it. Sometimes Gavin's guilty of just throwing when he's out of range and, and opening himself up and leaving himself up to get caught with counters. But he can't do that against a ranging, big punching, fast-handed fighter. Um, he's got to be clever, pick his spots, the right shots and his punch selection has been very very good in sparring he's been throwing the right shots at the right time that's really really important but he's got to be concentrated for three minutes of every round and and again one of Gavin's faults in the past have been where he switches off gets caught with a silly shot and then because he gets caught with a silly shot feels that he has to go straight away and walk straight back into another one or two shots and that's where you know he can undo his good work he could be chipping away doing some good work and then and then letting you know letting the other man straight back in. Now he's learned in this camp not to do that. And you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again, his body punching has been fantastic. His straight right hand is so much more improved. You know, um, he's an improved fighter. And whereas normally he's, in the past he's guilty of being looking slow and being a little bit slow, pushing his punches. Now he seems to be quicker out of the blocks. You know, we've worked a lot on, on him being quicker out of the blocks. Um, he's never going to be an explosive puncher, but he's more explosive in the fact that his shots are coming out from start to finish quicker. Uh, and that's very, very important when, you know, when you're picking your spots and, and when you're in a fight like this. And, you know, the, the, the main thing is as well, that you've got to remember as well, is Vargas does leave gaps. You know, even when he's throwing his shots, he leaves gaps. And at the end of the shot, he leaves gaps. And the guys that have... That have Although, you know, they're just single knockdowns. I've seen him drop twice. They're not guys, when you look on their record, you think, oh, yeah, well, he can bang. They're not guys that statistically point out the fact that they're the big punches. So, you know, Gav McDonald could drop him with a single shot. 
and the way that he's been throwing his shot, it won't surprise me at all. What he's got to do, he's got to keep his composure. And all this, where all of a sudden he's got the media being interested in him. You know, Sky Sports coming up to the gym, interviewing him. Not his brother, they're here for him. Sky Sports News, here for him. Uh, ITV, BBC, BBC even put something together on him. And all these sort of things, even his brother hadn't had all, all that sort of attention. You know, all of a sudden, he's getting this sort of attention. Media workouts, press conferences, it's a big thing. And now he's got to, he's got to free his mind from dwelling on that and thinking, wow, this is, this is big, this is huge. But for me, it's only, it's only huge and it's only a massive night and a massive fight if he wins. Because it's the same thing I said to Tony Bellew for, for Goodison. Everyone was going on about, and he was, you know, it was his dream. You know, his dream night, Goodison Park fight for a WBC world title. Well, Hull, on, you know, on Saturday night, fight night, fighting for a WBC world title, Gavin McDonald's dream. Well, it's not his dream night unless he wins, because if you get beat, you don't remember that night fondly. It's not a dream scenario. It becomes a nightmare. So he has to forget about all this and just focus on, on winning the fight and not trying to win too much. Because sometimes, I know it sounds silly, but you know, some the fighters out there will understand what I'm saying. Certain coaches out there will understand what I'm saying. Sometimes fighters want to win too badly and tense up. And when you tense up, then you're that bit slower. You make you make mistakes. You're that bit more open, and you're not as concentrated. And you know, he can't afford to he can't afford to slip up. He has to be the best champ McDonald that has ever been. Yeah, absolutely. In order to win. Sorry, go on. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go on. Yeah, no, in, in order to win, he has to be the best Dad McDonald that has ever been. And, you know, he's, everything has been done. And he's, you know, he made the choice. I asked him, I, I said to him, listen, this is, this is what you're looking at for boxing in Mexico. But you're going to be boxing considerably less if you box over here. But it's about whether you want to win or not. If you're in it, you've got your opportunity and you're like, oh, it's the biggest payday I'm going to get. Because let's be honest, his pay his pay packets have been peanuts. He's not earned any money out of the game, you know. So he could have he could have cashed out. So Mexico, you know, I've got a young family, get the biggest purse possibly out there, and give me the best shot. But it was a case of look, you know, you're not the biggest puncher. If we go to Mexico in his own comforts, we're out of sync, you know, we're having to get used to acclimatizing and everything, being out of your own comforts yourself, you know, everything's in the, in Vargas's favour. And then if we don't knock him out, chances are we don't get it. You know, it's WBC world title for you know against the Mexican. So against the very Mexican. So your choices are either do that and cash out, or give yourself every opportunity of winning. A little arena, you know, I spoke to Eddie about it. You know, a little, you know, it's not good. I didn't want to come over here and box on on a on a big undercard, a Joshua undercard, or somebody's undercard where he's on it. You know. Seven eight o'clock at night, where hardly anybody's in the arena. It needs to be a little arena where it's packed out, where it's noisy, it's cold, you know. And Vargas comes out knowing that he's he's in hostile territory. And little things like that, being away from his family, away from his own comforts, his own gym, being in a colder climate, little things like that can just have little percentages going into your favour. And and those sort of things can can make a difference in a fight like this, especially when you're under, you're the underdog. We know that Gav's the underdog, and Gav knows he's the underdog, but he's in it to win it, and that's why he's taken less money to give himself just that little bit more of a chance of winning the fight. 
and we certainly are behind him 100%. Uh, I just want to go back a couple of weeks. A bad result for the big man David Price last time out against Christian Hammer. Uh, I know it's a little bit tough to say at this moment, but where where does he go from here? Because it's certainly... I mean, I, I gave my opinion, to be honest, on the fight uh, the week after when we did the show. And it seems like... I don't know, it seems like at that kind of European level, it, it's, it's hard for him to find his feet. I don't know if it's mentally, I don't know if he, he just got bad stamina, I don't know what it is. I'm not sure you're going to tell us what it is if you, if, if you know what it is, but where does he go from here, Dave? It's, it's hard to see a way back, really, at this stage. What's, what's very hard for people to understand is that you can only see what you see on fight night. Um, that doesn't tell you the story of everything that comes up coming up to fight night, coming up throughout somebody's career or anything. Now, the thing about David Price is everybody that's trained alongside him, everybody that's watched him, everybody that's been a sparring partner of him or a coach that's brought a sparring partner up for him, I'll tell you, he is fit, he is strong, he is fast, he's actually athletic, but then on fight night when it becomes a pressure situation, it, it doesn't it doesn't transfer the gym form into into a fight, which is what it's all about. Some fighters look a million dollars in a gym and can't reproduce on fight night. Some fighters are absolutely crap in gym, but yet on fight night, everything slots into place. And the problem is, is if, if you can't control the pressure, the nerves, the tension, then it stops you from doing what you, what you want to do. I mean, you know... Anybody can, anybody can, can, if you're practicing day in, day out, everybody can, can perform when there's no pressure on you, you know. There's so many footballers that are fantastic on a training pitch or in the, you know, even when your kid's fantastic in playground on a, on a training pitch, whatever, you go out onto the pitch and they just freeze or they don't perform, they tighten up, the shots are off target, they, they can't, can't find a pass, you know. I know boxing is different. I'm not saying it's the exact same, but what I'm saying is, the human mind, very, very, you know, that's how it works. It's a complex thing, but that's how it works. If you tighten up, things don't happen. You can be the smartest kid in the world, and your revision's being bang on and everything. If you tighten up in an exam, you have mental blocks, you fail your exam. You know, and, and the problem is, in boxing, is if you tighten up, and if the pressure gets to you, and if you don't perform, you're getting bashed, you're getting it in the face, you're getting it in the body, and it's in front of everybody that's watching and it's in front of everybody that thinks that that is you and that's all you're capable of you know and and it's not unfortunately it just is on that night and and price is for me it's too nice a fella it's too lovely a human being he doesn't have any spite about him whatsoever he doesn't have that little bit of devilment about him you know and unfortunately he can't control his emotions the pressure Whatever it is that, that, that comes on fight night that fighters feel, and we all, every fighter feels it. Every fighter has that moment when they start doubting themselves, where you build up your opponent into Superman. It can be a, a journeyman on your pro debut, but you're building up to be Superman. And when you get in that ring on your pro debut, you're tense, you're nervous. Majority of fighters are tense, nervous. If you, majority of amateurs that have trained for years and they have the first pro fight, uh, pro, first amateur fight, They'll all remember the first set round. They'll be going back to the corner after the first round. Absolutely goose thinking, how am I going to do another two rounds? That's not because they're not fit. That's because of nerves, you know? And that's, that's unfortunate. That's, that's how it is. And if you can't control your nerves into a positive 
aspect in a positive way, then it's a negative and then it can destroy you. And and with Pricey, whatever whatever his issues are, then, you know, it's something that he's got to try and figure out. And it and it's not that he's not fit. It's not that he doesn't train, you know. It's just that on fight night, it, when the pressure when pressure kicks in, he reacts a certain way. And he will tell you that himself now. You know, as long as... As long as he can accept what happens to him and what and, and what's going to happen in the future, he accepts whichever path he wants to go down. As long as he's at peace with himself about it, then that's all that matters. I'm not interested in if he's going to box again. You know, he's he's my mate. He's been my mate since since he signed for Haymaker way back. You know, um, his, his his daughter and his you know his, his family I've I've known since Haymaker days, and you know we're friends. So I'm not really bothered about whether he boxes again or not. I just want him to be happy. I want him to, whatever he does in his life, just be happy because he's genuinely, genuinely one of the nicest human beings you can meet. And all these people that are gloating and loving the fact that, that his life, his boxing life, is in tatters. And it, you know, it's not just now. It's when he got beat before. All the same again. Love to take the piss, rip the piss out of him. They all love it. But, you're doing that to somebody that's actually a really, really nice fella. You're not even doing it to somebody that's got an edge about her. You know, I can understand where, you know, if, if you're talking about fighters that are controversial or fighters that have got opinions, you know, fighters, whether, whether you love them or hate them, some fighters have got opinions and, and, and got personalities. And if you've got a big personality, then some fans aren't going to like you. That's how it is. But Price he's got, doesn't say anything controversial, doesn't give anybody any shit. He's just, he is what he is, but he's always had crap from people when things have gone wrong. And it's just, you know, it's just so sad to see. And I'm not, you know, I'm not bothered about boxing and what he does in boxing anymore. As long as, as long as he's happy with his life, he goes forward, does whatever he wants to do. That's the most important thing because he doesn't deserve shit. You know, he's somebody that gave it his best, came up short, that's it. He still won a bronze medal in the Olympics. He still won British and Commonwealth titles in the pros. He's still featured topping arena shows many times. He still won a lot of fights. And he's still one of the most popular fighters that there's been for a long time. So regardless of anything else, for me, I think in comparison to so many people in boxing, so many people in life, in their own chosen fields, I think he's done a pretty decent job and he's, and he's ended up doing all right. Maybe he's not achieved his full dream. He's not achieved his potential. He's not achieved what, what he would have hoped to have done, but he's still done a good job. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, it's sad to see people, people knocking him, especially as you say, I completely agree with what you're saying. I've met him just the once, but he is, he is a real nice guy. Everybody says that about him and uh, we truly yeah. wish him the best of luck for the future, man. We truly, truly do. Whatever he decides to do, we're definitely behind yeah. him. Um, I just wanted to ask about Jamie McDonnell. We haven't seen any kind of announcement yet. Um, obviously, last time out in a close fight, we spoke about that actually. Yeah. But I just wanted to know if there was any any latest on him when he's perhaps next out. Well, we said at the time, we said at the time because of the reaction of everybody. I totally understand what people are saying, but again, people people think that it's a fighter's fault, and you know, he's he's this and he's that because he's this because he got a. He, he got a dodgy decision, and people insulting, personal insults towards him, towards me. It's nothing to do with us, you know. It, the judges scored it, how they scored it. I'll say it again. On the night, I thought it was down to the last round, and that was my opinion. And I thought 
we won the last round. I thought we nicked it. But when the scorecards were read out, when I'm stood in the ring, I'll be honest with you, I thought we lost. Because when I heard the wide scoring, I thought we had won by the ice. I genuinely thought it was close. I thought it was very close. We could have nicked it by a round. There's no way when I heard those scores, I think it was close. So I thought we'd lost. And then when they give it us, I was shocked. And I'm, but I was happy. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm gutted we got a decision. No, I'm, I was happy. But I genuinely thought we nicked it on the last round. Now, coming out and then you hear everybody's opinions and, and, and everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people, majority of people watching on telly all thought we got beat. That happens in boxing. Sometimes that happens. Now, a lot of people at ringside thought we won it. Again, nicked it. But for me, when, when rounds are close, you can like one way of fighting, I can like another way of fighting. We see things different. So you might have given that round, I might have given it the other way. That's how, that's how boxing scored. Now, we said on getting out of there, not a problem. If we stay at Bantamweight, we ain't got a problem with fighting Solis again because for the simple reason, how the fans have reacted. The thing is, is, it's not like we're running away from it. We've said we'll do that. It's not a problem. We'll do that. And and we'll do the rematch. Now, there was this issue about fighting Warren because WBA super champion and all that. WBA said that we had to fight Warren. Now, Warren's been beat by Zizi. Now, I don't know what's happening yet. Whether Because he's just fought, I don't know whether Zizi is going to be given a, a, a voluntary or whether the WBA are going to say, no, you have to fight Zizi. Because at the moment, the WBA have put, just put out that we've got to fight Solis. So we're like, happy days. We will fight Solis. Not a problem. But in the meantime, before they put out fighting Solis, we were in talks with Butler, um, with Frank Warren's people, with, with Butler, about a potential defence against, against him. Now, if we have to fight Solis next immediate rematch, then we'll fight Solis next immediate rematch. Haven't got an issue with that. Not a problem. But if they're allowing a voluntary and Solis to fight the winner of, then we might fight Butler if that if that becomes agreed. Nothing's nothing sorted yet. There's no contracts yet. Um, but we've we've basically said not a problem. So it's either or really. I'm not, I'm, we're not bothered. We'll 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 fight whoever. Jamie's certainly not going to duck anyone. Now, come on. He didn't have to. He didn't have to go back out to to fight Kamir the second time after beating him first time. But he did. So he'll do it again. He'll go out and fight Solis and he'll beat Solis. You know, it's just it is what it is. It's, it's it was a it was a bad night at office for him. He didn't perform great. And it was a fight that could have, for me, could have gone either way. But that doesn't mean that we personally have screwed that kid over. And we've personally said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we, could have, we could have just jumped straight up to Super Bantamweight. But the minute that they've turned around and said, no, if you want to stay at, at Bantamweight, you've got to fight Solis, not a problem. He'll, he'll, stay, he'll, he'll stay at Bantamweight and he'll fight Solis. That, that's not a problem because he knows... Although I've been, and it's not something I've said just since the Solis fight, I've said for a while now, I need Jamie to move up to Super Bantamweight. That's where you're going to get the best of him. It's getting harder and harder for him to make that weight. And despite that, we're willing to stay at Bantamweight for one more fight. To fight. We're going to fight one more fight at Bantamweight, whether that's Solis or, or Zizi or whoever WBA have said. If it's a defensive title, that's who it's against. That's who we'll fight. And, and I, at the moment, I believe it's Solis because... Um, nothing's happened on, on any other parties. So if it's him, then that's we're just waiting for it all to be sorted. Any idea what month at all at this stage? Um, Jamie did his hand in that fight, so he's not he's not punched since then. Um, so you're looking at you're looking at end of May. Um, 
yeah, you're looking at end of May before he's going to register fire because he hasn't he hasn't punched at all. Um, he's just started touching touching the bag, and I mean touching the bag. Um, but he's not a you know he's not a big puncher, but he did his hand. Um, but he's been seen as a specialist up in up in uh, Liverpool, um, and uh, he's just listening to exactly what he says, and and then he'll be you know he'll, he'll be ready to fight. Okay, good stuff. I was hoping that he could hopefully get on the Joshua bill, but obviously it's going to be no, too soon. No. Um, yeah, no, no. And obviously, just under two weeks away now. It's really busy times for you, actually, Dave. A lot of people are uh, talking about this one. Huge, huge fight. Bell you against Hay. Things got very tasty at the press conference. I just want to touch on that. David Hay seemed to roll back the years with all the trash talking. He uh, He had a go at everyone, really. He didn't really say too much about Tony, he kind of went off on Eddie Hearn, he said, he said a little bit about you, he said that you used to just carry yeah. his t-shirts, which was news to me, yeah. um, you yeah. were laughing at most of it, firstly, yeah. what I want to ask you is, things got a little bit tasty in the head-to-head, did he actually hit Tony, what actually happened there? Well, you've seen, you've seen the pictures, that was a fist, he said he gave him a slap, I don't know what, what the last, last definition of a slap were, but I'm sure it was, a, it was an open hand, not a clenched fist. So yeah, yeah, it clipped him. It clipped him, but it was, you know, it is what it is. I mean, listen, he put all fighters will do an head to head, and if you stick your nut on on somebody, then you're liable to get pushed off. And that's what happens. You have a bit of a push, but when somebody pushes you off, how many fighters actually throw a punch? That's that's a cheap shot. You know, that was a cheap shot, and you know, it is what it is. He just on that press conference. I don't know if he had a, a few too many Red Bulls or what, but he he was he was on he was on it. I mean, I know his his promo since he's talking about Bellew yapping, but Jesus, he was yapping under mile an hour. Yeah, that was, was yapping. It made for you know, some great viewing. It did, to be honest. Oh, it, it was it was funny. You know, that's why that's, I was laughing. I thought I thought it was hilarious. I was just like, where did this come from? That's what I want to yeah. say. I want to say you found it quite quite funny. You were laughing a lot. What is? Yeah. He seemed to be a little bit disrespectful to you. We know that you guys have both got a past together. What are your yeah. feelings towards him now? Do you, do you dislike nothing. him? Nothing. No, nothing whatsoever. Listen, he's on a personal level. There's absolutely nothing there. There's, there's no. He's in, insignificant to 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 anything. You know, I've got a job to do with Bellew to fight David A but David A is fighting Bellew and that is the only involvement and only emotions that are, that are evoked in me whatsoever you know as far as Haymaker days and things like that a lot has happened since the Haymaker days he, he retired after Klitschko I went on and did, did my thing and, and and in that time I've done what I've done he's done what he's done and that's it and we've had no involvement whatsoever you know so there's, there's nothing I'm like mate I'm not being funny. There's plenty of people that want to dig me out and talk shit about me. If I were worried about them all, then flipping it, I'd be in bits. All, all I'm asked about is when I walk through my door, my two kids come running up to me, my wife's happy with me, I've got a good home life, and my fighters that are in my gym that I work with are happy with me. As long as those two aspects are covered, that's all that matters. Everybody else, I appreciate every support. That means a lot. I appreciate every support. But you can't please everybody and you can't have everybody like you. And if you try and be liked by everybody, you're going to send yourself nuts. There's more important things in life, like just getting on and being happy with what you've got. You know, I, regardless of what anyone wants to say about how shit I am as a trainer 
or I carried this T-shirt or I did that. I ain't asked because I'm actually happy with what I've done. I could walk away from boxing tomorrow and I'm actually happy with what I've done. So I think that's a big thing. When you go into something, with, with, you know, as, as a manager, my mission when, when, I, when with Curtis Woodhouse was to make him become a British champion. Curtis Woodhouse came from football to become a British champion. That was a big mission for me that completed. When Ryan Rhodes came to me as a boxer, the main thing for him was to get respect off the fans because he was getting trashed by fans saying he would try, he was he was chinny, he was this, he was just flashy, with that. You know, with Ryan Rhodes, we won British, European, fought for WBC world title. Fans love him and respect him. Kel Brook won a British title with me. Tony Belly, when he asked me to come back to coaching, because I retired after Ryan, Ryan retired. You know, Kel Brook came to me, uh, Tony Belly came to me, asked me to train him, the goal is come on, let's win a British, win a world title at Cruiserweight. Step up to Cruiserweight, win a world title. That was the mission. We've cracked it. I've done it. He done it. We did it. I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to do anything else. You know, world title fights. I won world title fights. I'm happy. I don't take anything for granted. I don't. I don't assume that I'm gonna have loads of world champions beating down me. I don't assume that I'm gonna have loads of world title victories. Every time I win. I'm so thankful we've had a win because it can always end the next run. It can all, you, you, just, you just don't know. And everybody around me knows that that's, that that's the way I see it. Everyone goes on about it. I want a great year ahead in two, 2016. But I had a good year in 2015, 2014. Just every year got better. And 2016 was a fantastic year. But I didn't get carried away with it because I know, I look at the first three fights I've got in 2017, they're tough fights. And you, you can't keep on winning when you're boxing at this sort of level. So you have to take each win as, as you know, you, you treasure each win and you never take anything for granted. And I don't take anything for granted. So I'm not really asked what, what people assume about me. I know what I do. My fighters know what I do. Um, and, you know, and, and it is what it is. And Dave, I want to ask you basically two, two questions in one here. Um, Firstly, the WBC situation with Tony obviously moving up to heavyweight. I haven't seen anything announced about that yet. I don't know if he's. I don't it's know if he's it. Sorry, go on. No, Breedis and Hook are fighting for the. Uh, I think it's the interim or whoever fights. Well, whoever fights, whoever wins that fight, Tony next. Right. Okay. So the WBC are obviously allowing him to keep the title while he moves up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, obviously, we've seen David Hay. It seems like he's. I don't know. Obviously, he is training, but he seems to be... Oh, yeah, We've listen, seen him on yachts. We've seen him in jacuzzis. Yeah, yeah. Don't buy into the bullshit. He's training hard. He, he, in the gym, he's training hard. Whatever, what kind of training he's doing, I don't know. Not fuss. But he's training hard. And he, the stuff for the yachts and the stuff like that, he loves all that kind of stuff. You know? It is what it is. That's his personality. It's not going to make any difference to his training. He's training hard. He's doing what he's going to do. And then I believe that he's giving off this image that he's not training hard, so people can say, in his eyes, if he goes and, and knocks out um, Tony Bellew, he can turn around and say to everybody, look, I weren't even training hard, I was partying with my mates, and I still went and knocked him. Look what I'm going to do when I take Joshua seriously. That's what he's doing. His, his end game is Joshua. That's what his end game is. And, and if he can make it look as though he's been devastating in, in this fight, Without even trying, then you know when he says he turns around, and say I'll take Joshua seriously, I'll be locked away. This is it. Then everyone's gonna say, oh, he's gonna knock out Joshua, and that's 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 what he's doing with that. But conversely to that, 
should Bellew knock him out and derail his little plans, then he's got a, a, a little excuse there saying, ah, oh, do you know what? I was partying, I was out, I was doing this, doing that, knocking about with celebrity mates, I was just messing about on a yacht. I didn't take him seriously. That's the only reason why Tony Bellew beat me. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a clever little play from him. <laughs> Smoke, listen, um, David A. has always been about smoke and mirrors. Don't let that fool you. No, no, of course, of course. And final question now, David. Um, Tony Bell, you obviously taking on David Hay. We talked about the, the build-up and the antics and all that. Um, the fight now. What does Tony Bell you have to do here? Obviously, a lot of people, and, and you can't blame them, really. A lot of people going no, with David no. Hay in this one. Of course, listen... In boxing, there's so many fights that there's been where nobody's given somebody a chance and they've yet they've pulled off an upset. That's what makes this sport so good, you know? If, if we knew we was going to win every time, why would we bother going? Why would we bother going and watching watching the fights? Why would we bother turning TV on? The one thing that stands out to me, sorry to just cut you off, but where he yeah. hasn't been at cruiserweight for too long, obviously I know as, as an amateur he fought at the higher weights, but where he's, he, he was at light heavy... And obviously he was killing himself to get there, but he's only sort of just gone up to, gone up to a cruiser, and now he's he's taking the jump. It's almost like he's jumped up two weight categories very quickly. That's the only thing that that stands out to me a little bit. My honest opinion is the weight will have nothing to do with who wins this fight. David, his power and his speed are the factors, are the dangers, not his weight, not his weight. You're talking about jumping up to wage division. Is Hay one of the one of the big heavyweights of the division? No. Right. Is when when he boxed last time out at about sixteen stone, did he look fast, explosive, athletic in that uh, and, and physically? Did he look great at about sixteen stone? Which is sixteen stone. Let's remember these days as a heavyweight is small, is light as a heavyweight, isn't it? Right. Yeah, so at yeah, sixteen yeah. stone, I'm asking you. I'm asking you at sixteen stone. Did he look fast and explosive and, and, and sharp and athletic like he normally does? Dave, you're trying to stick it on me. This is my show. No, no, no. I'm asking, <laughs> no, I'm asking, I'm asking you. I'm asking you your opinion. Do you think no, he did? At 16 stone? He, he, no, I right. Okay. Six, so let me six, talk. Six, so, so what yeah, I'm yeah. saying, so what I'm saying then, at 16 stone, which is, a, you know, it's still a small weight, but it's big, he's not his best. So he's not going to be at that weight. He's coming down to about 15, 4, 15 maybe. He'll, he'll come down as light as he can do. He might even be lighter, but he's coming down in weight, you know? So he's not going to be a monster heavyweight. Now, Bellew weighs in at 14 stone four. He walks around a lot heavier than that. He trains in camp heavier than that. But he fights on the weigh-in on the Friday at 14 four. Just like a Kell Brook weighing at a 10-7 doesn't mean that he trains, he spars, he does everything at 10-7. No, he doesn't. He does everything heavier. So the weight, the actual weight, weight isn't an issue. It's about it's about the abilities. It's about David A's ability in speed and power, and whether that is still there, whether Bellew can take it away from him, and whether Hay can take what Bellew has to give him. And obviously, David Hay, you know, he, he came out and basically said, "I'm faster than Bellew. I hit harder than Bellew. I'm more elusive than Bellew. Everything." He basically said, "There's nothing that Bellew does better than me." That yeah. one, I think, sat well with a lot of on-looking fans. I think they kind of thought, hmm, he, he's got a point here. What does Tony Bellew do, or can Tony Bellew do, better than David Hay? 
March fourth, you'll see. March fourth, you'll see. You know, if 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 Bellew goes in there and does what he does what he has been doing and what he needs to do, then March fourth, you'll see. This is boxing. One thing that that Bellew that, that I think people should know, just by seeing from the past. One thing is Bellew can fight. I mean, he can't fight. He's not a fighter. He's a very very good boxer, a very very good puncher, but he's not a fighter. So if this fight becomes a fight. That's 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 one thing right there that Bellew does better than Hay. Fair point, fair point. Anything can happen. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But made a best man. Listen, listen, is, listen, this is this is this is boxing, and and boxing is littered with upsets. Boxing is littered with fights where we've all said he's got no chance. He's got no chance. He's going to get knocked out. He, this is going to happen. Blah blah. And then they've turned up trumps. It's happened. You know, you have you have these massive punches, and. If they don't get rid of him in a couple of rounds, what happens to him? What, David Amy's peak after two rounds starts getting ragged, you know? David is a heavyweight when he comes out bombing after a couple of rounds. Start, even against John Ruiz, come out like lightning, blasting him, blasting him. Then there was, there was a little sticky patch in middle where he's looking a little bit tired. Just the fact that Ruiz just kept plodding forward and walking into everything. He's fine if, if, you, if you can keep hitting somebody else. But what happens if you don't? What happens if you? What happens if your time is just that little bit out because you've only had about three and a half minutes worth of work in 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 about six years, in five years? What happens if your time is a little bit out? And what happens if you just keep, you know, it's just keep missing? What happens if you start tiring? You know, you, if you're tired when if you used to get tired when you're in your peak, why aren't you going to tire when you're 36, 37 years old when you're getting old? Don't don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. The 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 other the other thing is, and it's actually in our favour. Is Tony Bellio and myself, we fully understand that we could walk out there round one and if Bellio gives it to him and Hay lands on him, it's over. You understand that? So you know when Bellio gets hit with his first big shot? It's not a shock. It's not a shock. There are fighters out there that will understand what I'm saying. When they don't think somebody can punch and they hit them for the first time, they get hit for the first time and they think, Shit, that's hard than I thought. Well, we're not going to be thinking that. Because we're, we're expecting the David A of old. We're, we're training for the David A of old. The explosiveness, the, the sharpness, the, the fast, explosive, bombing fire. We're expecting that. But I guarantee you, he ain't got that in for 12 rounds. I guarantee you, he ain't got that in for 12 rounds. If he doesn't get rid of Bellew early doors, he's getting smashed. Okay. Simple as that. But listen, like I say, the best man shall win. It's, um, it's an intriguing fight. Obviously, it's captured the public's imagination. The uh, fight week's going to be going to be very, very good. I know that there's a press conference coming up on Monday. So, uh, so um, yeah, we'll leave it there, Dave. We've spent, we've spent a right, decent amount of time with you there. Listen, Dave, it's always a pleasure. I think that we've had you, I believe we've had you on the show more than any other trainer. So that speaks for itself. Best of luck for Saturday night. Best of luck for March the 4th. And we'll catch up sometime soon, my friend. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Okay, now it's time to draw this episode to a close. This has been the 71st edition of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I, as Summer, has been on fire. Thank you to our two guests, the undefeated featherweight Isaac Lowe and the high-flying trainer and manager, David Caldwell. Best of luck this weekend to Gerald Washington and Gavin McDonald in particular. Both guys are part of 
the box hard family. We wish them the absolute best of luck. God willing, they both become WBC world champions come Saturday night. As always, it's been a pleasure making this show for you. We've come a long, long way since we started off, and we honestly couldn't have done it without the support from not just the boxers we've interacted with, but mainly the listeners that have been so loyal to us. I honestly appreciate each and every one of you. Enjoy your weekends, stay safe, and we'll see you next week.